I do think they've done a very good job of of being authentic with the story, yeah. and the settings are magnificent. Oh, they certainly are. The settings are wonderful, and um, yeah, yeah, like I said, a lot of sense. <laughs> 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 Wasn't expecting it right. It says gore, sexual <coughs> violence, yeah. uh, this, that. Yeah. It has a list of all the things <laughs> why you should not watch. It. Yeah. Wow. I was like, am I old enough to watch this? <laughs> yes. For a kid, you're just like, that's for me. (laughs) (laughs) I know. You're not supposed to watch it. Mm. (sighs) No, vampires were never, I don't know. I'm not into terror. No, I don't like vampires. No, I don't either. I I mean, Dracula was, was, you know, the classic tale. Just it. Mm, But going on with all the other stuff and the the fight with the lycanthropes, the werewolves, and like twilight stuff yeah the twilight know. stuff just like i'm yeah, sorry that, you know right. something's dead it probably stinks <laughs> <laughs> there's just no romance yeah. i was gonna say and look at look Says at his, you and look at his, his dead dragon that's rotting yeah. and has rotting babies and climbing out of its but mother. it's not a love thing it's not <laughs> oh, a, you're right you're you know it's not romance it's yeah. just that's the part that i think is kind of the humorous part is like here's this oh, undead thing and there's a romance going on. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I can I, understand the previous because of Dracula. It's the previous romance. You know, his love for his Catherine or whoever yeah. it was. And, right. But actually, when I finally got through the book, I'm like, well, this is just it's the epistolary tale. Like it, it isn't you know like the movies. It's just it's writings of letters. And I thought that was kind of. Yeah, it's come a long way. I had a, a camp. I was at camp, and I had a fourteen or fifteen year old girl tell me everything about the whole Twilight and all the like a, a half hour straight. Wow! Oh dear! <laughs> and I'm like, oh okay. Oh yes, yes. Oh that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So is your tape recorder a bust? <coughs> It seems to be going. So something something oh. was up. How did you didn't so get we out? might have missed yeah. Aww. It's done this before. It's the operator. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me. Aww. So yeah. I think you should because I'm coughing. <laughs> so. Okay. All right. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Are you gonna yes. <clears throat> We're doing we're doing pandas again. And we're not yeah. getting the bush right guy. Okay. All right, so we have to let everyone know. <laughs> yeah. Mature uh, subject matter warning. <laughs> I was thinking about bringing out a little fan just to hide my face. So that you are. This is the first time I've ever dreamed of reading this stuff. I mean, mind you, the library was always... Yeah, we're sitting in our pajamas <laughs> in a gazebo, yeah. and we're we're sure. listening to oh, a sex you. scene from really Yvonne's famous novel. Did you want us to sit around like kids at story time? No. no. <laughs> you want to set this down beside your water for when you're finished? Sure. I still remember there was a Spanish, that's well-known woman who wrote romances, and she goes, because in the interview, they asked, "What about those steamy sex scenes?" And she's like. I'm in my pajamas first thing in the morning because I'm getting my word count in. The last thing I am is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Yeah. So I think of that image from now on. It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. as the writer is plugging away to get the word count in, it's like yes. there is no really ex exotic sex scene. I even think this one, <laughs> I think I wrote this one sitting in an airport in somewhere in China. It was during that because I had to wait and I was going to town writing it, and I'm thinking, good God, I'm glad nobody could probably read English over my Because <laughs> 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 it just hit. It was just there, and I just ran with it. <coughs> Alright. So, last week was where they came into her room. She shut the door, locked the door, okay? For a brief moment, she hesitated. Come here, he said. Rena slipped the card into the Excuse me, into the electricity slot before she turned around. I'm sorry, the room is still a little... Still, uh, she began. Seth didn't let her finish. He pulled her close and kissed her. I don't care about the room. He backed her up against the bed and threw the comforter back. Rena's brain short-circuited as Seth touched her everywhere. His kisses left her lips and moved along her jawbone and down her neck. His hands expanded her waist and slid up under her shirt. Rena's legs wobbled as one thumb grazed her straining breast. He wrapped one arm around her and anchored her to him. He groaned as she rubbed her hips against him. He was hard and she wanted him inside her. Seth, please, she begged, and didn't care how desperate she might sound. I don't want to rush this, he told her. I do. You can go slow next time. <laughs> <laughs> it is so true. <laughs> A plus. <laughs> oh my God. A throaty laugh vibrated through him. Her insides clenched. I'm glad there will be a next time, but I'm still going slow. She wiggled against him. She'd make him go faster. <laughs> Marina, he warned, and then gently pushed her back on the bed. You're an evil woman. Through a sensual haze, she watched him yank off his shirt and toss it to the floor. He was glorious, she thought. His chest was broad, and she was surprised he had abs. Nice abs. <laughs> the temperature in the room ratcheted up a few degrees. The humid air in Bifangia, which is where they're at, was hot and damp at the best of times. Papers and even the box from the crackers she brought from home had wilted. Now it was even hotter. Seth checked the room. He found the remote for the air conditioner and put it on. Rena wasn't sure that would help, but it was something. She thought he was going to take off his shirt, but instead his eyes focused on her. She shivered. He knelt on the bed and removed her sneakers and socks before sliding his hand up her legs to the waistband of her shorts. He pulled them down and dropped them on the floor. Her panties were already wet, but he left them and reached for the hem of her shirt. And reached for the hem of her shirt and awkwardly pulled it over her head. For a few seconds, her arms were caught in the sleeves, but he, had got, he got it off. Thank God, he said when he saw her bra with the front clothes one. <laughs> <laughs> he flicked it open and bared her breast to him. You're stunning. Rena blushed at his reverence. She hadn't really considered herself especially attractive. Under his heated gaze, her nipples tightened. He crawled over her. You're so sensitive, I haven't even touched them yet. But then he did, first with his hands, cupping and squeezing and molding them. He rubbed the nipples as his eyes shot through her. She arched her back, wanting more. He chuckled and gave in to her. His mouth latched onto one, and he sucked hard. Rena cried out. He softened his hold and gently laughed at her breasts. Sensation began building in her lower body. No, not yet. Seth moved to her other breast and treated it to the same exquisite pleasure. She couldn't even try to stop the orgasm that crashed over her. Rena covered her eyes and turned away from him. Hey, you okay? He rolled down beside her. 
I'm sorry I didn't mean that. I didn't mean for that to happen so quick. I did, and I'm planning to make a few more. Before Brina could formulate a response, he was kissing her again. Then his mouth and hand moved. Her stomach quivered as his touch danced lower on her body. She reached for his shoulders and tried to touch as much of him as she could, but he wasn't staying still. She found his destination quickly, rubbing against her most intimate mouth. Her whole body began to hum. Sex, she snuggled against him. Shh, Brina, let me take you there again. He removed her panties and then found her with his tongue. Her hips bucked off the bed. She hadn't had many lovers in her thirty years, and he was the only one who wanted to bring her pleasure this way. A couple others had done it, but made it as to more them as more of a duty than pleasure, and it never felt like this. His tongue darted in and out, circled and applied just the right amount of pressure to her clitoris. Another orgasm was building. She reached her hips. I want you with me, she pleaded. Soon, come for me, Brina, he demanded. No sooner, he no sooner said it than she did. The force of it left her stunned. I didn't know, she whispered once she caught her breath. What kind of idiots have you slept with, so covered her. How romantic. I know, right? <laughs> that's what I like about it, because that's kind of, isn't that the real part? <laughs> she decided now wasn't the time to answer him. His hardness was prodding against her. She reached down and took him in her hands. Sexually. It was hard and hot. She wanted to do all kinds of erotic things to him, but she didn't think he had the stamina at this time. She already felt a drop of moisture at his tip. She looked at him. I want to, she began. Not this time. I don't have that much willpower. Do you have, she hesitated, scared to ask and find out the answer was no. Protection, she nodded, in my shorts. What exactly did you expect to do on this trip? I'm a man, I always have been, he told her. <laughs> there are always some in my travel bag. He turned and fished the foil packages out of his shorts. Three of them, she noted. A little presumptuous, don't you? Optimistic, he grinned. Brina reached for him again when he returned to the bed. He kissed her. Again, it didn't take much for him, excuse me, it didn't take much for her body to respond. Sex now, she told him as she pushed her hips against his. I know, he ripped open the condom and rolled it on himself. Next time I'll do that, she told him, his eyes darkened. Next time, he agreed. She felt him push against her and she opened her thighs for him. With one powerful thrust, he sank deeply into her body. She sighed. He growled. She squeezed her inner muscles and his body quivered. She then pushed her hips against him, wanting to wanting him to move. He did. His breasts were hard and fast. He pulled out slowly. She raised her hips to meet his face. He pulled her knee closer and he buried himself even deeper. Her orgasm tore through her and sent her spiraling into the abyss. She barely registered his final few thrusts and his first had preceded his release. She thought she'd had some pretty good sex over the years, but this was off the charts mind-blowing. She couldn't move if her life depended on it. Seth rolled off of her. Their ragged breathing was the only sound in the room, until a rooster crowed outside, which set off a number of replying calls. Brina giggled. I'd have to agree with them. Thanks, but... <laughs> she watched him slide off the bed and duck into the bathroom. What did she just do? Don't think about it, she told herself. She wanted to bask in the afterglow of the best sex she'd ever had. She wanted to snuggle with him. Was he a snuggling kind of guy? Did he even want to stay with her? She never even thought of that possibility. Oh, God, that would be humiliating. A yuan for your thoughts, Seth stood beside the bed, naked, and she was supposed to focus on what he was saying? <laughs> what? A yuan, you know, the Chinese unit of currency, he told her. Uh, nothing. I was just worrying about having dry clothes for tomorrow. Brina groaned inwardly. Now she was going to draw attention to her clothes.
arms still hanging all around the room. She nodded and crawled onto the bed beside her. She stifled her sigh of relief. He situated himself on his back and stretched out an arm towards her. She scooted closer and let, let him wrap his arm around her. She settled her head on his shoulder and let her free hand rest on his chest. She absently curled her fingers in his dark chest hair. He stilled her hand with his. I need a little more recovery time. I'm not one of your romance heroes. Sorry, she whispered. Soon, he promised. She listened to his heart rate. Listened as his heart rate slowed to normal. She had no idea what to say to him after what had sorry, after what had just happened. Brina, he started at last. That was amazing. I know, she agreed. I wanted to let you know I never thought of you like this before. You were my best friend's little sister. That's it. A pang of guilt rose in her chest. Tanner would never forgive her. Forgive her. But when I saw you a few days ago, well, you know what happened. I never expected to be so attracted to you. Take a deep breath. This was the last thing I expected. He made a sound, but it wasn't intelligible. His breathing deepened, and she realized he dozed off. Her mind was eager to put crazy thoughts in her head, but Brina willed herself not to go there. It was early to go to sleep, and it was barely dusk outside, but she was certain she wouldn't be sleeping through the night undisturbed. At least she hoped not. <laughs> a little rest now would pay off later. On top of that, being this close to him and listening to his heartbeat made her, made her sleepy. So she relaxed and drifted off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what would we say? Yvonne just broke her cherry, reading the first sex scene in public. Yep. Uh, yeah. Well done. Very well done. <laughs> I like the comic aspect of it. Usually too. it's so, you know, flowery. And yeah. Yeah. Like, this is reality, you know. And that's, that's, I, that's what I thought was nice. Um, I, I have a question. Mm -hmm. To her surprise, she had abs. Nice abs. Yeah. Why was she surprised? I, I, I didn't understand. I think my thought was, it, when writing it, was that she had noticed them. That she hadn't seen them under the uniform and under the t-shirt. Oh, okay. All right. I thought there was a point where he had his shirt off, she saw the abs. And then there wasn't there something about he wasn't taking his shirt off? Yeah. I was confused by that, too. Okay. Something about the shirt. But then again, I thought, well, maybe it was her shirt that they were talking about. There was nothing to do with it. Okay. Like, yeah, he takes his shirt off, and then just shortly after that, there's another mention of a shirt. And I, okay. I, I, yeah, I thought it was oh. me, but... I love <coughs> the use of your word dance. His touch danced over her body. That was a lovely verb. Um, I like the, the front toes you're drawing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the condom bit, always and always. I always have them always. with me. I always have them in my pants. Okay. Uh, it just seemed redundant and sad. I like the three of them. <laughs> that was yeah, good. that made me that, laugh. That little, yeah. there's, it's the little details, I think. Yeah. That, that you know, the, like the front closure bra, the three condoms, the, yeah. Uh, and I like the choice of the word ragged, ragged breathing. Oh, wonderful comparison with the rooster. That <laughs> was, that was yeah, great. That was good. The rooster mm -hmm. crowed and, you yeah. know, like, that's what he wanted to do. And yeah. it was joined by others, <laughs> like a whole <laughs> chorus rooting him <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's getting lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yes! 
there was a there was a comedian, uh, the guy that was in Breaking Bad, the the main character. He told yeah. a story that he was on vacation, a honeymoon with his wife, and they were told by the travel agent on this train ride there are tunnels, and so the third tunnel is supposed to be super long, and so that's when you're supposed oh. to do something. Oh, okay. And in that scenario, it all of a sudden became light and they were at a station and oh. there they are you know <laughs> and his wife is get off me <laughs> the italian guys that are there are like Una! they're going italian the wives are trying to turn the the italian husband's you know faces away so that the way you just described it and yet you know what totally different i'm thinking of robin williams and hooked where he crows <laughs> yeah then everyone else starts it I like the one that what came to my mind when you know she's discussing how men are not able to do it. All of a sudden, I saw construction workers and okay, we're gonna get this job done. <laughs> <laughs> so that comedic part, at least in my mind, it, it, it made it funny. I also enjoyed the line when he says, "I'm not one of your romance heroes." I love the irony of it. Yes, you know that you're writing a romance. And yeah, he's he's not gonna be one of those. I, guys. I'm reading one uh, some books right now, and it's like huge alpha males and all the anyway like four times in a day I'm like okay okay no and it's like so, I believe that you're pretty awesome but come on yeah and I mean no. I'm gonna keep reading don't get me wrong do you know how many condoms you have to keep buying yeah. I only have three I want four uh, I should write an anti uh, thank you you should yeah. pirates and I think, and I think in the the original or the previous one, I had Taylor, and then I actually looked in my story thing, and I wrote, I'm like, oh, I knew it was a T, but it was Tanner. So I, I like Tanner. Tanner. Yeah. Tanner. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think, Taylor's more of a girl's name now than a Yeah, it is. Thing. Yeah. yeah I knew there was something that just that. bothered me, but anyway. <laughs> Very <right>. good. <laughs> I just, I, I still think we're on day three or four, aren't we? No, we must be. Look, she's going home. Um, we are on. <laughs> might be three. Well, it has to be longer than that because she's going home the next day, isn't she? Not yet. I think there's. I'm trying to remember if I it was like five or six days she was there, and I, I'll have to clarify okay. what day it is. Okay. Anyway, I'm just the really curious as to where it's going from here. Yeah, you know, kind of like you in the ring and the grandma. It's like, okay. <laughs> so am I. I know. Ben Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get there. I'm just slowly sort of yeah. trying to work Will out. Will there be airport stuff? No. <laughs> Where we're going? Mile High Club? No. <laughs> I think that's just impossible. I imagine the poor stewardess is knocking on the door. Yeah. Please get out of the bathroom. <laughs> Oh, do you remember the day um, mm -hmm. 
Judy and Stephen read the one about the uh, oh, the alien. alien. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Oh, it was wonderful, but God. it was after that they were told they couldn't read yeah. those anymore. So funny. It was hilarious. And the way she reads it. Yeah. Oh, yes. my God. <laughs> she was amazing. <laughs> All right. This is this is the next next scene. Next installment. Okay. Yeah. Can you remind us what just came before this? Um, Were the two of them going down the tunnel? The 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 bad dragon uh, was just swallowed by right. Sartoo, right? And the yes. sister had disappeared. Right. Okay. So the the bad dragon had was thrown into the lava by the sister. I mean, right. I don't think the sister intended it, but. He ended up in the lava. And so now he is scarred and, you know, was badly burned in the lava. Right. And it was after he was thrown into the lava that Saratoon Saratoon finally came back. Yeah, that's why they attacked each other, because Saratoon was finally back. That's right. Okay. And she's somewhere. She had disappeared, so he doesn't know. Okay. okay. Thank you. Are we set? Mm-hmm. Eight years later. <laughs> <laughs> no. Seriously? Dragon's oh, belly man. for eight years? No. Oh. It's eight years later. <laughs> oh, okay. You'll have to wait to find out what happens. <sighs> He'll go back to that, right? And it's yeah. So, like the backstory, you don't want to give all of it. So, as the story unfolds, then you go back. So I'm right in believing the, the brother and sister eight years old now. Yeah. Okay, because they were just born in all the previous. Yeah. Well, so time has passed, and so now they're. Okay. Adult dragons, because dragons have a different age. Growth. They're adults. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, the desert heat oppressed eight-town Egypt. An occasional wind stirred up dust and drove it along the street. Pale brown brick houses channeled the dust and heat, sending it upward, creating a haze over the entire community. Sycamore trees towered over the town and marked the spots where residents lived during the heat of the day. A minor guest house on the edge of town stood forlorn except for the lone sycamore tree shading it. A foreigner, a Greek, sat against it eating black mulberries. A young boy squatted next to the bowl waiting. The Greek picked up a fruit and popped it into his mouth. The boy imitated the man's movement, chewing the berry, looking up at the man, and then down at the bowl, waiting. The Greek longed to grab a handful of fruit, but he saw the boy's eagerness. Squatting next to the bowl, leaning forward to be as close as possible to the juicy berry. That's the boy, I'm sorry, that's probably... Yeah, I thought it was the man. <laughs> no. The Greek smiled to himself. It was a silly game to pass the day, but it also kept the boy from smashing the delicate fruits or spilling the bowl into the dirt. One piece at a time. Tempered desires guaranteed success. He had coined the phrase on Samos over ten years ago when he started saving for this trip. He sacrificed much, including bowls of mulberries and many other fruits. During his frugal years, he discovered how everything tasted better when one waited, unlike the wealthy who reclined at the table and feasted, or kings who lavished delicacies on guests to overwhelm them with their power. He ate sparingly and also slowly. Flies buzzed, the boy fidgeted. The Greek thought about Samos, his home so far away. Instead of the cool Etesian winds in the afternoon blowing across the island, he rested under a sycamore tree eating mulberries in A-Town, Egypt, waiting for the priests of Thoth to share an invitation to the temple, waiting to discover their secrets. <coughs> There's like a pause here. 
The journey up the Nile River had taken only four days. Two months had passed since he had left Thebes. At first he believed the priests had given him an honor by housing him in his own home on the edge of town. But as the days passed and the walk to the temple grew long and hot, he realized they wished he'd leave. They didn't want to answer his questions. Only devotees to Thoth could enter the temple. Sightseers were not welcome, only true worshippers. His hand moved sideways to the bowl next to him. With great dexterity, the Greek picked up a single berry with his thumb and index finger. He over-exaggerated the arc to his mouth, pretending the small black fruit was the finest candy, and popped it into his mouth at the last moment. The boy's mouth opened, and he followed the thick morsel to the Greek's lips. The boy pretended to eat as the Greek, squished the mulberry in his mouth. The boy's eyes dropped to the bowl as he slowly reached out and picked up a large fruit with a small thumb and index finger, imitating the wide arc to his mouth and savoring its taste with eyes closed until he looked up at the Greek and smiled. The Greek laughed and scratched his cheek. Bread is a feast to a starving man and a feast a burden to a king, he said. The boy screwed up his face, his eyes blank. I guess every day is a feast for you, Cap, the Greek said. An idea popped into his head. A feast? Could it be that simple? Kef licked licked his dry lips with his tongue. Flies hovered over the bowl, and he waved them away with his hand. The Greek asked, when do the acolytes come to the market? Kef said, an elder priest comes with him, otherwise the acolytes would eat everything. But it is late afternoon before closing time when they arrive. Prices are better, and it's just before the evening meal. What do they typically buy? Kef looked puzzled, then shrugged. His eyes dropped to the bowl. I never paid attention. I was too hungry. Exactly, the Greek said, smiling to himself. You can have the rest. Kef's eyes brightened as he grabbed the bowl with both hands. He stopped and looked up at the Greek, shamefacedly. He put the bowl back onto the ground and took one bowl mulberry and ate it. He did not wait as long before eating the next fruit, but he did not gobble them down. The Greek chuckled. The boy grinned, red juice dripping from the corner of his mouth. On the following week, the Greek and the young boy walked to the market. Kept had described Hanu's movements in the market to the Greek. The elderly priest shopped for three young acolytes at the close of market day <coughs> when perishable items were at a discount. All purchases depended upon the daily offerings at the temple. When worshippers received their wages from their employers, the devout headed to the temple either to donate to the god for answered prayers or curry the god's favor. The increased offerings blessed Hanu's trip to the market. Meat and other delicacies replaced the strict rations of cereal or vegetables. Two days a month, the priests feasted. The other days remained mundane. The Greek Greek recalled Kali and their walks to the Heron along the beach years ago in Samos. The Temple of Hera provided a favorite walk for the young couple, and the priests lived off the donations of the worshippers. A similar system worked here, but Egypt did not have Kali. Callie's freckled face and beautiful smile popped into his mind. Her life, form, and energy caught him up to timelessness. His skin tingled at the memory of her brown eyes and their arms brushing against one another. She would run ahead, turn, and face him, smiling. His hands reached for her slim waist, and she'd kiss him lightly, spin out of his reach, and yet her fingers intertwined with his as she fell in step beside him. He'd look at her, and she'd toss her brown hair behind her. He longed to lean over and kiss her tan neck. She'd giggle and peck his lips before darting ahead to repeat it all over. The priests of Heron 
maintained the lighted lamps along the procession so worshippers could stroll at night and linger over their love. Happy couples often drop a coin in the little box next to the elderly priest to say thank you. Hera was the goddess of marriage, and many maidens worshipped her dutifully by giving extra to the goddess for an exact match, or an excellent match. These musings brought the Greek up short. A pang of regret tumbled inside his loins as he recalled the tears streaming down Callie's face, her brown eyes red and her freckles bright with heartbreak. He closed his eyes to quiet the inner cyclone and breathed slowly, waiting for the storm to pass. Kef paused and looked up at him. The Greek looked down and said, Beware of girls, Keft. They still men's hearts. The boy spat. Sometimes the Greek made no sense. They continued their walk. Little dust swirls curled around their feet. The sound of surf and gulls evaporated to the soft whispers of Callie's love in the wind and shuffling sand beneath his feet. A lyre and drum echoed over the flat land as they drew near the market. Voices bartered and bargained for the best prices. Colorful shawls and scarves vied for attention with the red, orange, green, purple and yellow fruits of, of the vegetable stands. An odor of sweat and humanity greeted them. Children laughed and screamed as they chased each other through the crowd. Kev started jumping and looking toward the distant sounds of play. He pointed toward four priests nearby and then scampered away. Hato stood out among the crowd by the vegetable vendor. He wore a leopard skin, hung below his linen skirt, and the tail had frayed with age. Beads of sweat glistened on the elderly man's bald scalp, and the armbands encased emaciated muscles. He flicked a feather fan to keep the flies at bay. The acolytes wore simple white linen skirts and beaded necklaces. Black coal uh, makeup lined their eyes. The Greek sauntered next to Hanu but did not acknowledge him. He studied the haunches of meat hanging in the next stall, the flies coating the fat and muscles. I need meat for ten, he said, imagining Hanu's attention toward him. Not that, he motioned toward the hanging meats with the flies covering it. But that, his finger pointed to a lamb bleeding behind the stall. The butcher said, you're thirty-five people short. I'm not, a but I'm not butchering fresh meat for only ten. You must buy the whole animal. The Greek smiled to himself. He could hear Hanu's fans stop the old man's mind calculating how he might take advantage of the Greek's dilemma. On cue, Hanu said, You're planning a generous feast without false blessing? The Greek turned toward the elderly priest. It is a small party for a local noble. Why don't you go with, in with me? We can both benefit. We can split the cost of the lamb. <coughs> the acolyte's faces brightened at the sound of lamb for dinner. Hanu shrugged and patted his belly as if he had already stuffed himself with meat. The hard work and the discipline of caring for Thoth is food enough. At this, the Greek noted each acolyte's shoulders drop. But Thoth blesses those who celebrate his glory with feasting and celebration. Are you saying if I give a feast for Thoth's priest, Thoth will see fit to speak to me? Hanu wished his, swished his fan in dismissal. Thoth recognizes true devotion from his worshippers. The Ka must be in its right place. My apologies, the Greek the Greeks <coughs> I'm missing some of my papers. Oh no. Yeah, so <coughs> <coughs> Yeah, so my apologies and I'm supposed to have some more stuff, but yeah. anyway, oh. that's where I'm at. I'm not sure whether that's it.
I'm right there in the marketplace, eh? Oh my gosh, that was awesome. I loved it. The... Yeah, I feel like I'm there. The not this sentence, the voices bartered and bargained over the vegetable stands. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, does the Greek have a name? Yes. What's his name? Have we heard Pythagoras. it? Pythagoras. Oh, okay. We haven't heard it yet. No, we just haven't and, heard it. And um, Hera is the Greek goddess of marriage and the house and all Correct. that. Kali is the Indian goddess of destruction. That's interesting. I've, I've just chosen it. Okay. Um, that might have worked out okay. <laughs> I know. That's uh, interesting. It's just that it is Indian, um, East Indian, and I'm not sure that it... I don't know. It kind of jarred me that his romantic interest was... Well, if you know about an East Indian goddess. This goddess yeah. of destruction. Yes, I guess, yeah... I think a You're lot too of well read. That's, that's oh, yeah, that, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I know nothing, so it worked. <laughs> 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 I like the name, and I think it would. Kali, the Indian, is K A L I. No, mine is C A L L I E. I E. Okay, then it's probably fine because reading it, uh, hearing yeah. it, I immediately this. And, and she's a horrid, yeah. gigantic, yeah. yeah, really dangerous thing. Um, Kef, K E F. K-E-P-H-K-H-E-F-T. K-H-E-O-T. That's actually an e Egyptian I think, but name, I think. Did you say E-F-T? K-H-E-F-T. F-T. Eft. Lovely. Eft. Liked that. I liked the name. I wonder how to spell it. I like the name of Hanu. That's also, I think, uh, Egyptian. Yeah, his, his is what, emaciated muscles? Like yes, the elderly like, oh emaciated. God, he had a lion skin over his shoulder? Leopard. A leopard skin. Yeah, priests wore a leopard skin. I didn't know that. I, but I I like how you introduce him, but we don't, like, you take your time for us to get all the details about him mm -hmm. instead of just telling us all at once. I, I, that, yeah. That's well done. Um sparingly and slowly even though the LYs it was perfect I like that whole philosophy how things taste better yeah when you you wait and yes you know and, and the, the whole comparison of the feast and the well there's also a proverb that that's in Proverbs Solomon I assume <laughs> Solomon wrote it yeah. but it's like better to take a knife to your throat when you you're invited to the king's palace because the idea is if you get used to eating like a king but you're not a king. Then you'll be starving. Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking of, you know, yeah. some, some ancient proverbs. How could you, can, you know, play and intertwine them? And this is, again, spelling. Because um, maybe because I don't hear as well. The place they are in in Egypt is Aten, Aten, A-Town? What, what is it? A-Town. That is a literal translation of A-Town. Um, A-T-O-W-N. Eight as in the letter, number. Oh. Eight. Oh, E I G H T. Eight. And then town. town. Okay. It's a simple, literal translation. There are eight gods that were present during the creation. Okay. I assume when the Bin Bin stone rose up okay. out of the water. This is Egyptian See, that's mythology. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, to me, that's important. Because when I thought it was Atom, <coughs> Maybe not, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of the god and yeah. and whatever, but eight town makes a lot more yeah, sense the, to me. The yeah. center for Thoth worship is in eight town in yeah. Egypt. Okay. I like the heat haze of the Egyptian desert. And do you sure hawthorn and sycamore trees grow in Egypt? Sycamore, yeah. Yeah. Hawthorne? 
Because I, I went on the website, okay, what trees are the in this area? Yeah, sycamore I knew about because you often hear of those in the Bible um, and, you know, traveling. But the Hawthorne, I didn't know about. I wasn't, I couldn't find birds. I wanted some birds, too. Yeah. That they are specific because. Well, I know there's yeah. the ibis or the ibis or whatever you call it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm thinking just regular. Right, regular Solomon's birds that yeah. would be there. Because the, you know, the crow is everywhere, but it looks different in different places, and like the robin-sized birds look different, like in, in Israel, they yeah. they have a black and white type bird that's kind of Yes, different. all right, that helped with that. Oh, what was I going? T totally unconnected with serpents. <laughs> yeah, that's what so I'm waiting for. I'm I like, was all right, where's, this, where's the dragon? Where's yeah, the dragon? There's, there's, this is just, like, it's as if I'm reading another book. You know, like, yeah. But that's okay. I know you'll get back to. Oh yeah. Back okay, to I have to confess that I thought you were saying bowl at the beginning and not bowl. Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> that's I'm my like Illinois. Oh, the bowl and bowl, and then finally said something when the kid grabbed the bowl, I'm like bowl. That's <laughs> what it is. No wonder I was like, what? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> what is it, my co cousin Vinny the movie? Youths. Yeah. Youth? What's a youth? <laughs> Youths. too because there's always a you know there's a cost for everything so in thinking of Pythagoras like he did go to Egypt that's how he got his because you know the, the information's floating around there and I'm thinking you know wait a second if, if Pythagoras you know this is just my own logic how did he get the money to go so he was either born in a wealthy family or he would have had to sacrifice in order to go so he wants knowledge right and that's where Callie comes in Right. Okay. She wants to be married. He wants knowledge. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So they're sacrificed. And not knowledge of the female body. Exactly. <laughs> A different kind of And what, you know. And would the library at Alexandria have been extant at that time? Well, he wants specifically Thoth because I guess Pythagoras. Okay, Thoth. T H O T H. That's how I wrote it, but I've never heard of Thoth. He's the god of science. He's oh, the one that okay. uh, has a connection with uh, the building of the pyramids. And okay. I think I might have heard the name, but I really, yeah. That's he it. has the ibis face. Oh. Okay. So of all the gods, you know, the human body, but then the ibis okay. head. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you're right. Now it's ringing the bell. Yeah. Never into that. No. So it's like not, it it's not just the library. Now, the, the catch to, and this is just behind the scenes, the priests have um, blown him off because they don't really have anything. That's one thing in, in reading about the priests of ancient Egypt. They had these tricks and stuff, but there really wasn't anything. Yeah. Well, and, you, and the his at, uh, 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 is it Hanu, Hanu's attitude yeah. there with the whole, you know, <laughs> look at Brenda because it's like, yeah, yeah, no, we're not going to have a feast, but oh, well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, the scene that's missing, there's a few lines there that are missing is, you know, he kind of corrects. Oh, and then he says, "Well, if I give a god, you know, an offering to, to, you know, the god's thought, but basically, it's kind of like, okay, if I show up and feed thirty-five people, I mean, you know, will I get oh. some secret knowledge? And so that's what he, okay, because he knows they're hungry. 
and he went at a time when, you know, yeah. they're not feasting because the offerings aren't coming in like they should. So. I liked how you did that. It was the acolytes, the action. Yeah. That, that oh, yeah. yeah. Us know they're the chorus, the you know, in yeah, the background. Exactly. And their yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah, well done. Like, oh, it's Leo, Leo. Oh. Yeah. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> information that we really don't have so how can we trick him into oh, thinking that he has something yeah, yeah. I love it. and in the process in the dark cavernous space because under right. the temple of Thoth there's all these bureaus of, of ibises and crocodiles mummified mm-hmm. and so they're going to send him down into the catacombs okay. and that is where he will meet the is an excellent location for me to meet because until oh, now, we don't really movie. know where these uh, dragons are, do we? Correct. Yes, so they could easily be underground in Egypt. Yeah. Yes, okay. Because the, oh. the thing behind dragons, just, you know, I'm giving backstory of it, is part of their feeding, part of their existence, like everything, they're very symbiotic. And part of their symbiotic is to have, like, think about it. If you were to mind meld with someone, do you want to mind meld with a guy that's just a plumber and <laughs> Maybe. doing pipe every day? Depends. Or do you want to have a leak in the kitchen? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What are my needs? Or do you have someone who's got these original thoughts who's seeking information and is, you know, looking for the around. mysteries of the, the universe and stuff? And so the idea is, you know, when the symbiotic relation happens and you have genius come about, well, then you take famous people that are supposedly genius and say, well, you know. Maybe. No. Maybe. Yeah. Well, that was good. <laughs> well, do we have time for me to read about the manic depressives? I think so. I think, I think so. so. Okay, I'm not thrilled with this, so I need your feedback. <laughs> um, You're selling it. <laughs> it was like last time. Look I don't know if you're going to like this. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it seems less cohesive. It's it's only 900 words. It's not long. Um, but see, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't non... You're probably being hard on yourself. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Yeah, this, yeah, is, all this is called Summers at the Sanitarium, Part 2, uh, B3. Um, oh, yeah, the wings. The bee, yeah, the bees were the women wings, and now we're to be three. Okay. The manic depressives and digressions. <laughs> I'm hooked. <laughs> Mrs. Baxter liked the way I read, perhaps because from the fifth to the eighth grade, eighth grades, my mother paid Mrs. Gobell, a proper English lady, to give me elocution lessons. I was taught how to breathe from my diaphragm, project my voice, and enunciate every single syllable. In addition, I learned to slow down the speed of my speaking. When I was a child, my family nicknamed me Speedy. I did everything fast. It was as if time were running out and I had to get so much in before it was too late. Now that I am 72, time, I suppose, is running out. Yet, I'm in no rush. There is great peace in unhurriedness. And 
unintended offshoot of Mrs. Gobell's lessons was that I spoke with a British accent. Sixty years on, I am still sometimes asked my birthplace. When I told a French woman that I was Canadian, she informed me that I didn't speak Canadian English. In the 1960s, Mrs. Baxter was diagnosed with manic depression, now called bipolar disorder. On some of her up days, she believed she was a member of the East Indian royalty. In her pink terry bathrobe, she paraded up and down the corridors of B3, posture erect, chin up, gaze down. She surveyed the lesser beings on the ward. At those times, she wouldn't hear of my reading to her. But weeks or month later, months later, when she simply couldn't get out of bed, she regularly called for Nurse Vance. Where is Nurse Vance? She's the only one who can read properly. I enjoyed the task. It certainly beat watching soap operas in the TV room with six or seven of the other patients. Even though Mrs. B and her husband had been missionaries in India, she never asked me to read a Bible. Well-researched and well-written historical fiction comprised most of her personal library. To this day, I still relish the genre. Then the next part is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the next line. I just realized it's not a It kind of fits in with the manic depressive, you know. It's uh, working, yeah. I liked, I liked Mrs. Baxter. Even in her manic states, she was never unkind, and when depressed, she always appreciated a good read. Furthermore, she never tried to escape. B3 was a locked unit. No one came or went without a key. Most patients never left. In fact, on a regular basis, only one did. Rose. Rose was a millionaireess. Unlike some of the other wealthy long-term patients, I had no idea where Rose's money had come from. Perhaps, had I known her last name, I might have conjectured. But Rose, to us staff, had no surname. Like Mrs. Baxter, Rose was a manic depressive. She was also a nymphomaniac. <laughs> there were weeks when she never got dressed. There were weeks when she insisted on attending every mixed-gender social function slated at, the, slated at the sanitarium. Although I escorted Rose to hair appointments, I was never asked to accompany her to a social event. That job was given to a burly, sour nurse, one strong enough to wrestle Rose into submission if necessary. Rose was big. Big-spirited, big-boned, big-breasted. Inside activities proved safer than the outdoor ones. The bowling alleys were almost risk-free. The corn roasts were a nightmare. One time, Rose disappeared under a dense thicket of shrubs with a new male acquaintance. <coughs> Upon discovery, she was dragged out shouting vehement pro protestations. For a month or two each year, between Rose's highest and lowest moods, she behaved in socially acceptable ways. During these times, she traveled abroad with a female companion protector. One August, Rose returned from a European tour bearing small gifts for the ward staff. She bestowed trinkets, bought from street vendors, I imagine, to each of us, even to me, 
although I was only summer help. How happy she was in her generosity. I smile as I remember that gift-giving day. No matter the value of the present, the bright spirit in which it was given illuminated a different side of Rose. I was grateful that I was assigned to B3 more often than any other ward. The central hall was broad, the numerous windows large, and the sitting room comfortable. Moreover, the head nurse and I got on well. Mrs. Dale always treated me, treated me with respect, in spite of my being the youngest and least experienced of the staff. The work was most often uncomplicated. I stood at attention in Mrs. Colby's room while the national anthem blared from her radio, helped that same patient compose letters to her family in Eastern Canada, retrieved Sister George's baby from wherever she might have fallen, supervised Nurse Bradley while she savored her daily medicinal half glass of beer, accompanied patients to electric shock therapy treatments or psychiatric appointments. There was one room from which I was barred. I was told that the occupant had killed a nurse. No one entered that locked door except for two private attendants. Occasionally, the patient would sit in the wide hall in a comfortable chair pulled from her room. One of her guardians sat opposite her. Staff were not to speak to either person. I avoided even looking at them. No one volunteered the whole story of the murder. I never inquired. That room was the only blot on the otherwise cheerful atmosphere of B3. Of the four wards I worked on during my summers at Homewood, that one retains the brightest memories. Quite a birthday. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I thought. It's just sort of a, a bunch of pictures. Of no, it's really interesting. Because mm -hmm. you're not there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can live vicariously. Oh, so that's what it's like. Wow. In the one in the bushes and a murder. Yeah. <laughs> Did you oh, talk yeah. about the one in the bushes before? I, I think so. Okay, because I was like, wait. No, minute. that was Joanne oh, okay. who was trying to escape or who went. No, I thought there was the There's name. one that travels. She, on she yeah. travels yeah. everywhere, but she was also pretty. Oh, yeah, she was the heiress of some kind of fortune. Campbell's or something. Kellogg's. Yeah. Kellogg's. No, Kellogg never got out of bed. She weighed 400 pounds and had a special lift. Oh, yes, right. But there was a lady that her I husband would come and bring her, and they would oh, go on trips. Oh, I told you about those, she was but I didn't write about oh, them okay. yet. I haven't written okay. about those yet. Okay. Yes, that was Mitchell Sharp's wife, who was the Minister of Foreign Affairs. But I I obviously changed all the names. I can't. Well, yeah. yeah. Rose was Ruth and yeah. Yeah. all these other things. No, the only other one on this ward that I thought of mentioning, and then I thought maybe that wouldn't, um, she, uh, and the other thing I don't know if I got across, B3, nobody left B3. Yeah. Once they got there, they were there for life, other than Ruth. Ruth, she, sorry, Rose, she could, she could go on her trips and things. Um, but there was one there, and this was before my time, but they found her in the bathroom one day with her breasts in her hands, <gasps> blood oh everywhere. And uh, the nurse came in and said, what have you done? And she said, well, I don't need them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't include that one. Oh that, my God. That, that just seemed a little bit. 
I don't even know how she got through the first one without passing out. Like, you have to remember that they're psychotic too. Yeah. Yeah. So she probably has no. What did she use? Good. I didn't ask. Because <laughs> I would like to think they don't have access to you know giant they, knives. Well, they they <laughs> have knives because they now these people as opposed to Joanne who they would go down to the dining room. These people always had their meals in the rooms, mm-hmm. but they did have. And the other thing you have to remember about them is <laughs> I can't say they're devious, but they are. Mm-hmm. They, they, there's there's a lot more going on than what you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it would not have been difficult for her to steal a knife. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the kitchen had um, it was a large room, and it was right on the ward because the meals were sent up from the dining room and then distributed. But it had a one of those half doors, you know, the bottom opens. So the the bottom was always kept shut, but the top was almost always open. So she could have walked by and seen a knife on the counter and picked one up. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, so there were other stories. So I I just (laughs) sort of picked the ones, and you knew the baby was a doll, didn't you? Yeah, okay. Something that wasn't a baby. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, your tone and the way you said it was perfectly said. So it's baby. See, I wondered about all that nonsense about speedy and reading and stuff, and I thought, well, I kind of tied it in with the other stuff. I think it fits. I thought Because you have baby. these portraits of people, mm-hmm. and, you know, on one hand, it's it's interesting how crazy people don't think that they're just ordinary people. It's always someone that, you know, she thought she was a... Uh, oh, that was her mania, yeah. She was a member of the British royalty. Yeah. And she was quite spectacular. She really was. I could see her sauntering mm. in the hallway. Oh, you yeah, know, and, and she did. In she her robe. Did, yeah, she was, she was erect yeah. and tall, and she'd walk. I can see it. She was amazing. And I'd, I'd come in, and when she was like that, you, you know, do like, well, no, it was interesting, though, because you, I'd, they were the old-fashioned times, the, the 7 to 3, 3 to 11, so I usually had the 3 to 11 shift. It's the one I like the best, actually. And so I come in at three o'clock, and there she'd be, and you know you almost felt you should curtsy to her. Yeah, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I did. I know. Uh, you know, I did. I would. I would look down, and that suited her very well. Wow. I would look go. down because I thought, you know, she's in this place. <laughs> um, there's going to be two more, um, and the one will have Miss Kellogg and, and Daisy Sharp, and that. That was a ward I. You never wanted to be on. Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't want to be the person that has to watch the, the lady that killed someone. No. Yeah. no that would be a terrible job. You can't, no one will talk to you because no. the rule is you can't talk or say anything. Yeah, and yeah. each of those women had 12 hour shifts. And yeah. There were only two of them. Like you would end up in the ward because you're just trying to, you know, it'd be. Well, nuts. you know, that's really interesting. But never put your guard down. No. Yeah. No, never. And I, d- I honestly didn't know why she killed her or how or anything else. Um, but she did. Just to ask her. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's really interesting. We would get um, interns from around the world coming to train at Homewood. But do, you know, every every doctor has to spend so many months in mm-hmm. in a psychiatric institute before they can be what do they call it? Certified, whatever you get to yeah. be a doctor. And 
he had a couple, a man and a woman, from Ireland who came, and then they had to work on various different wards, and they had to get to know the whole place. But she was shocked. She said, I can't believe that you allow nurses to stay on the same ward for an extended period of time. She said, in Ireland, the nurse can only be on that ward for six months, and then they're moved. And often it won't be to a ward, it'll be to an administrative post mm -hmm. or a recreation, some other area. And she said, because the incidence of staff becoming mentally unstable mm -hmm. is high. Sure. As well as if everyone's devious in plotting <coughs> and planning, you have a higher risk that they can get help from the staff. And so if you're changing the staff. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I don't know whether I, I mean, there's lots of stories, but um, B2, which was the semi-locked ward that Joanne was on, one of the head nurses in there was Mrs. Woodhouse. And Mrs. Woodhouse was clearly insane. And most people knew it. I mean, she was... And there was a, a veterinary student who became crippled, had leg braces, and she was told that she had to change her specialty from large animals to small animals. Now, it may seem small, but for her it was yeah. life-changing, and she had a nervous breakdown. So she showed up on the ward with her leg braces, and... Um, I was in the room one day, and I had been speaking with Miss, she'd be in early 20s, I think. Miss Woodhouse came in and said to her, you're just faking it. You don't need those things. You take those off, and you walk across this room. You do it now. Anyway. Wow. So she was like, right. Anyway, Marcy was like, Marcy did. Marcy fell after two steps. Oh. And she just yelled at her and told her she was so me and my naivety went to whomever it was you reported to, and he just looked at me and he said, it's best to keep your mouth shut. That was the end of it. <laughs> I was like, Christ. <laughs> like, They're all nuts. <laughs> what? They're all nuts. They're all nuts, yeah. And yet, you know, when I... I know there's going to be two more. Um, one is B7 with the people in straight jackets and wow. try to watch somebody die and all this stuff. That's, oh. that's, I wasn't there often, thank goodness. But the other one is Riversley, which was a mansion, a private mansion down the hill. That's something else. But there's all these other little stories that aren't necessarily associated with a ward. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, like even that business about the Irish nurse telling me how. Mm -hmm. But I, I will say, after being four months there, I was so happy to leave and go back to university. Mm. You know, it, even eight hours a day with crazy people, you do begin to wonder. And B2, I'll have to come back to B2 because there's really neat stories from there, but that year they let the Joannes and the hairdressers in. Well, I'll tell you, rich women who'd been there for a while were way ever upset. They wouldn't let them sit at their table to write cards. Oh my lord. They wouldn't sit with them in the dining room. And I'm thinking, you think that 
you're mentally ill for Christ's sake. You're in the same <laughs> hospital. Yeah. And yet you're still better you, than you the hairdresser? You still got that thing going mm-hmm. on, yeah. But he's still there, though. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Oh, anyway. Yeah, so this is proving to have lots of material. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised how much I actually read. It obviously left a huge imprint mm. on me. Right. Um, but I'm I don't think I got She's the one who specifically asked me to send her the revised version. Right. So it's <coughs> okay. So this is Penny again. See if I I'm sorry for the inconvenience. That's all right. <laughs> I feel bad. Crazy people, sex seats. <laughs> yeah. Mulberry. This is quite. A, this is quite a group, isn't it? <laughs> and time travel. There will be no sex in this part. swings at the playground and they're going to try to practice mantras. She's missed a whole bunch of but I'll, again, I'll send it. I wish I had heard that before Sunday. No, she didn't. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Mineo pulled a picture out of her jacket. Penny stared at it for a long time. It was so different and so beautiful. The colors were richer than she imagined. There was the purple grass and the black dirt, the turquoise sky and so many flowers. They all looked so exotic. Although Mineo said most were just meadow flowers. Mineo tapped her leg. We can't start with that. Penny put the picture away. Okay, I need you to clear your mind. Hum a tune for a sec. Penny hummed some random notes. Okay, what's close by? Penny thought for a minute. The duck pond. Okay, how far is that? Ten minute walk? Perfect. Tell me about it. It's down by the church. It's a long oval. There are benches on either side. There are ducks in the pond. The grassy sides slope down steeply toward the pond, and there are two small maple trees. Okay, keep that picture in your mind. Remember what it's like to sit by the pond and the sounds that you might hear when you're there. Mineo turned the practice module on. It made a little clicking sound. It reminded Penny of the metronome in music class. It was a little hypnotic. Keep picturing the pond. Imagine yourself falling into the picture. Mineo pulled back the swing and let it go. (coughs) She continued to push Penny to keep it going. Listen to the clicking. Remember the smells. Remember the things you heard. Imagine what it feels like to sit on the bench. Imagine what it feels like to come off the swing at the high point in the arc. Mineo stopped talking and let Penny swing. Penny closed her eyes and went through all the instructions over and over. And the night time around... When she imagined herself coming off the swing, she felt the seat leave her. It felt so natural. Can you have a book? (coughs) It felt so natural she could feel warm (laughs) air all around her and the sensation of floating. She could hear the sounds of both places. Time seemed to stop. She seemed to stop. It was so peaceful. She didn't feel scared at all. She felt content. There was a tingling sensation in her arms and legs. Then she felt something beneath her again. <coughs> she could hear the ducks quacking in the pond. 
She put out her hand and reached under her and searched for the chain of the sling. Not there. She slowly opened her eyes. The pond appeared before her. Holy shit. She was here. It had worked. She looked around. Everything seemed normal. She got up and started walking toward the school. She couldn't stop searching for something that might have gone wrong. What if it was the wrong year? Could that happen? She hadn't asked that. She started to run. Up Mount Edward Road and turned right at the path between the streets, through her old elementary schoolyard and up the hill to the junior high. Manea was sitting on the swing, waiting and grinning from ear to ear. You did it! That was amazing! Can I do it again? Maneo laughed. You sure you want to walk all that way again? And he nodded and laughed. Maybe not. We'll do it every time I visit until it's easy, and you can do it on the first or second go-around. As we try farther locations, I'll swing with you. So for those, you'll need to do some research and find other playgrounds with swings, or at least nearby so we can get back. They spent the rest of the night wandering around the neighborhood so Maneo would learn the nearby locations for landing. Maneo even tried riding Penny's bike. It wasn't easy for her. She couldn't understand why it only had two wheels. Wouldn't three be better? Penny explained about tricycles and unicycles. Maneo laughed. I won't be going to one wheel. Scene change. Penny took the picture Maneo had given her and pinned it up on her bulletin board. She loved it. She would daydream about traveling there. She had made a list of places to swing to next. She chose Micmac Mall, Bell Lake, and Dory Store. And she made another list of all the schools in the area so they'd know where the swings were and, of course, a bus schedule. She wanted so bad to go to the picture place, but she knew she couldn't attempt that. Not yet. Also, Maneo had taken the module back with her. She wondered if there were stories of kids who had ever gone missing on Maneo's planet because of swinging mistakes. She wasn't sure if she wanted to ask. Scene change. On Sunday, Penny's grandparents came for dinner. Her mom made roast beef and butterscotch pie, which were both Penny's favorites. Penny helped whip cream for pie after the main meal. When Penny's grandparents arrived, she hugged them. Hi, Nana. Hi, Gink. Her grandfather had an unusual moniker. Her older brother misspoke Grandpa, and the mistake stuck. After dinner, they sat in the living room and talked. Penny's Nana asked her lots of questions about school. She was excited to tell her about Maneo. Her grandmother seemed very interested. What an unusual name, dear. I think it's pretty, Nana. It certainly is. Penny's mom spoke up. Penny, you should show your grandmother your new bedding and curtains. Penny's mom had surprised her the other day with buying her new set. She loved it. It had wildflowers and little birds on them. Her grandmother liked them, too. They sat on her bed and had a more cozy chat. So any boys in school that you like? Not really, Nana. Do you still see Rachel? Sometimes, but I'm spending most of my time with Maneo. Her Nana nodded and gave her a hug. I'm glad you found a nice friend. Her Nana looked around her room and her eyes found Maneo's picture on the bulletin board. She stared at it for a long time. Penny watched her stare. Nana? Yes, dear. You all right? Yes, of course. And she broke her eyes away and smiled at Penny. She looked out at her hand and played with her rings. I've been thinking about giving you something special. I'm not getting any younger and one starts to think about what they'd like people to have. She pulled off one of her rings. It had a silver band with a teardrop-shaped stone. The background was black and it had three round white bursts and a white line down one side. 
It's called Snowflake Obsidian. A special boy gave it to me many years ago. Not Gank? No, not him. What was his name, Nana? Nana smiled. That's a story for another time, dear. She reached out and took Penny's hand and slid the ring on. It fit perfectly. Penny admired it. I love it, Nana. Thank you, she said, hugging her. Now this reread is good because all of a sudden I got it. It's all yes. there, yeah. yeah. What's so it, what's all there? Question. Well, I'm. It just made me think of things. Okay. okay. Question. Before, so as she practices, she's able to go to the pond because she knows what the pond is like. Yes. Because she has that memory. She knows that. How did Mineo get to there? Mineo would have had to known or seen a picture of... Yes, there's pictures. That. Where it could have been a swinging mistake. Well, that I also... Liked, I liked that, by the way. That I also comes into mistakes. play, too, because that, that's definite foreshadowing, or could be, I don't know, because, well, what happens if a kid disappeared? <laughs> Mm. Yeah, and became exactly. grandma. <clears throat> oh, okay. <laughs> She's like... <laughs> <laughs> because it, once you start thinking about it, it's like, you know, so if you have a little girl in another place who has a picture from, you know, let's say grandma had traveled or grandma had connected with a boy who swung in the past, because you never know where kids disappear mm. to, and as an inquisitive little kid... It's like, well, I want to go here because I've heard stories about this place. And lo and behold, I'm like, oh, wait, the possibilities of this are really <laughs> cool. Nice job. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, a, a same question hit me, as hit, and I didn't mention it before. Two maple trees. And immediately, like you described it so well, the oval pond, <coughs> the steep banks, the ducks, and two maple trees. And I didn't know where to put them. Oh, okay. I, you know, I just wanted to know at the end of the pond. It's <laughs> 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 prairie, prairie with two trees there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Where do they go? Well, no. All right. They're at the end of the pond. And, and two large trees. On the other side of the bench, one of the benches, or. You they know. could be anywhere, uh, yeah, but I, right. I needed them to be somewhere. I picture, they were I picture where the bus turns to go left to go to the Mishnah Mall. Okay. Oh. There is that big pond that's near the, that, that has all the giant animals on the roof. In There's, um, I don't know where you are. Um, uh, two of by C coffee shop. Do you know that? Like straight up, straight up from the market. Like if you were to go up that street, you start down by the water by the market. Yes, I don't live there anymore. Yeah. And when I go, we have to visit. Yeah. And we're doing visiting, so I don't get to really see my town anymore. Okay. So all of this is my memories from childhood. Yeah. And so I'm at the I'm in the Woodlawn subdivision. I'm at the Duck Pond by the Woodlawn United Church, just okay. near Prince Andrew High School. Okay, I can Google it. Or yeah, oh yeah, you can. <laughs> all of this is all the descriptions are. Because there's lots of lakes there. Oh yeah, there's like 23 lakes or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I noticed some really neat things, like the long oval. What a perfect description. Mm -hmm. And and you didn't say wildflowers, you said meadow flowers, and it may sound silly, but the two syllables work better. You know, because in my head I said survival. I said, no, that, that's better. Um, and I wondered about a little hypnotic, and I wondered if you just took out a little. I don't know. I th it works either way, but I think if you say it's hypnotic, it, 
it would take me there. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Yeah. That's a, I, I, I like the ninth time. I like that it took nine times. Patience of it. And you then know? she like, went over it again and again in her head. Yeah. She'd be sitting there likely like, Okay, here was some, yeah. here was something. She reached under her for the chain of the sword. Under. Why would the chain be under her? I had behind, beside. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was... But I guess it's, it's not under, is it? No. But that was just sort of... I didn't even pick it the first time, but the second time I thought, okay. She reached under her for the chain of the sword. She reached beside her. But wouldn't she be holding on to the chains? No, because she's not there anymore. She's not there anymore. So she reached beside her. Okay, anyway, dumb, but... I'll put reach beside the bed. I think that's the way. Mm -hmm. I could just say she reached for the... That's what I was just thinking, she reached she for the chains. She reached chain, for the chains. For the chains? Because there's usually two, right? Well, I mean, if she was reaching, so. I think of the black, you know, the whatever that material is. <laughs> They use for the seat, you know. Well, she reached under the and seat. And the sides of the chain. I think she reached like under her for the seat at the swing. Yeah, straight across. Straight black one. Yeah, it could. That's what I remember. So instead of she reached under for the chain, she could reach under for the seat, for the plank. I don't know. There'd be a board back then, I think. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. That I would imagine it, what the, she was sitting on would feel the same. Yeah. Oh, but right. in order to differentiate. Oh, right. She's hand bumps against the chain. The chain. Right. Then oh. I would think it would be beside because there'd be no chain on the bench. I'll tidy that up. Anyway. And you this time you said they spent the night wandering. If that's what it said. That, oh, so I heard it wrong. I heard it I thought I, I thought too, but I wasn't oh, sure. Oh, that's weird. Yes. Okay, yeah. isn't that strange? No, they is perfect. Hmm. Wanted so bad to go to the pits, it's actually badly. Oh, yes. It's a verb. Yep. Anyway, I love swinging the sticks. <laughs> I thought that was perfect. Did, and, and the whole questioning did other children make swinging mistakes yeah, where did they go like that's, that's where you yeah. sort of got that's perfect it opens possibilities mm. for everything yeah and it was a snowflake obsidian I didn't hear the ob I oh. heard the s snowflake obsidian and I thought no obsidian yeah I like obsidian I only just beautiful. found out what it is yeah. this summer beautiful somebody at a store told me do you know I, I've told you right from the beginning, I really think that from the time I've been coming, this is your very finest piece and the best writing. And I think the reason is the details. They're yeah. so concrete. I think that there are more details, yeah. And they're so, and you take us right there with you. And and, and that's why I wanted the maple. You're, you do yeah. such a good job. I want to know where they are too. Um, your black sky, your turquoise grass, your purple something, it, it, like... All those things, you know, the, the things you remember, like the churchyard and the pond, and and then the things you imagine. They're very concrete. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah, nicely. I'm glad you read it a second time. Oh, thank you so <laughs> much. Maybe, maybe we all should, but then yeah. we'd be here till midnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just a once go round on this. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe Yvonne, but once for that. You, you, I'm, I'm really proud of you. I couldn't have done that. When you said commercial, it's like, and our next romance novel by Yvonne <laughs> is out next Tuesday with a steamy love scene. It's going to also sound like the grandmother's reaction again. 
Yes. To me, it was more powerful hearing it the second time. Because, well, and because I think if there was no connection or no knowledge of something, she'd have said, well, that's a nice picture here, or did you color that? Yeah, I somehow missed that picture the first time. I caught it, but it didn't... Yeah. But now it even you know hits home more because I uh, yeah because the reaction if she if she didn't recognize we would think that's yeah. quite a colorful drawing you've done or you know right because she wouldn't click on like holy crap yeah <laughs> so anyway that's but I, I think was, all you said was she stared at it a long time yeah and then it was it was Kenny who interrupted her yeah, yeah. you know and that was perfect and next thing you know she's giving gifts yeah that was. That was perfect because she didn't have to say anything. The, fa- the very fact that she was, you know, mesmerized by it, it seemed. It was like, wow. And then, okay, well, here, you better have this. Because if you yeah. go back to when you first start, you have this strange thing in the schoolyard and this girl appears. And, and so now it's like you go from there to, wait a second, there's definitely there's something there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? She looks like I'm intrigued. She oh. just looks like you're just like. Do you have? So do you know how many words you've written so far? Not you a clue. Don't have a total. Will it tell me? There is a yeah. There's a there's an app that you can or Google. Or thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, I can't think of where it is right now because I checked mine at one point and you don't know where to go. Um, is it like in the edit or the review? Whatever those some of those things across the top. Across the top, and one of them is is something or other, and then you go down. It says word count. Yeah, it says word count. Uh, Nine nine thousand five hundred and thirty-eight. Good for you. Wow. I think that's it. I would think so. Fifty thousand is a good. Is a is a two hundred and (laughs) fifty page book. So you're twenty percent there. Yeah, twenty percent. But you don't have to have a two. It's a it's a young adult book. You can do a two hundred. And that's only forty thousand. So now it's suddenly you've or got you can have it a quarter of it done, or you can have it shorter. You have yeah. it one hundred and fifty pages. You oh know, yeah, it's Neil Gaiman does whatever he likes. That's yeah. right. It's a it's a it's a kids novel. It can be a hundred pages. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. yeah, I'm a little more wedded to having fifty ish. Well, but, uh, you know what? Yeah. It's because of what you read too. Yeah. yeah, I just want to yeah. tell the story. Don't want to think about how yeah. many words. Ex- and that's what I was told with. I think my memoir ended up only being, what, 130,000, So I don't know how many that is, but it's it's not. No, could be. Instead of 50,000, it was 34,000. Oh, I was going to say, so that's a lot. No, it was 30, <laughs> 34,000. Okay. Okay, instead of 50. And but if it Pam said story. to me, said, you said, like, I said, it's the story of how I got my name. It's not a... This is my whole life, yeah. you know, yeah. and and that's and I said everything I wanted to say. So like you, why yeah. add it? Why keep yes. adding things if you're done? And you know what? Yeah. As, as much yeah. as I, I have some issues with the Google system and stuff, yeah, Word has a word count in the bot on the bottom of the yeah. corner where Google does it. And so I, I was not even thinking about it. And I think when I first checked mine, it was like 27,000. And I nearly crapped myself. I'm like, what the heck? What? <laughs> you know, because I just didn't think I had that many. And I wasn't paying attention to every, you know. So move on with it that way. To play with play with that, what you're talking about, the, the insane place. Um, <laughs> and then also autobiographies and stuff. So because you think, okay, what's my life going to be? You know, as you were saying, 
So, you know, my, well, it's, it's going to be a pretty thin book. But I think of, like, the Winston Churchill and all these other things. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. Giant thing. So I'm thinking, what a great story, like a Ulysses uh, by What's-His-Face. I hate that book. But, yes. like, you have this giant Joyce, book. Right? Yeah, James, James Joyce. Yeah. You have this giant book that you read about this this person's life that <laughs> has done everything. Then you get to the end of the book and realize they're just a nut in a nut house. <laughs> oh, my like, what a cruel joke to play on someone. Oh, wait. <laughs> and so the nurse co- or the lady, the tenant comes in. So, oh, you still working on your memoirs? Oh, that's a perfect ending. Perfect. <laughs> you know, that is like everything that comes before is absolute nothing. Perfect. <laughs> have, you, have you ever rewritten endings to things? Story, I've, I've rewritten endings to books I don't like. Oh, oh no, yes, sorry. yes. You, you're just so, yeah. yeah like, well, even Dickens did that. Remember, he wrote really? um, Great Expectations has two entirely different endings because the first ending, people were appalled, and of course they were published every week, right? Yeah. Yes. And yeah. and so the la- and and the flack he got, you know, uh, he yeah. they were furious, so he rewrote it. Jane Austen rewrote the whole chapters in um, but they're her own story. Persuasion. Oh, yes. They're oh, but I rewrite other people. Oh, you rewrite <laughs> other people's endings. Oh, in your head, you just say, okay. No, I write them out. Oh, you write them out? <laughs> yeah, I rewrote the ending to Lovely Bones. Because I hated the ending so much. Well, when my wife and daughter were going through the Divergence oh, yes. series. That's the ending now for me. They wanted to rewrite my. the Divergence ending because it's like you just ruined yeah you know like if your main character dies sorry spoiler if your main character dies at the end and you miss three books like people are going to feel ripped off they're yeah. going to be angry they're going to be mad yeah. yeah we all know the lovely bone story like he okay. didn't die well enough to ruin it for me so i, oh, I, so I, I don't more. know the lovely bone story oh. i've heard the title but i've never read it oh yeah he found himself in a basement in a house and a guy wants to marry him <laughs> What? It's using your own oh. story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and there are two women upstairs that oh my God. are behind the blind one and it's locked. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> We're going to get married. <laughs> oh, God. Nuts. I know. my blog for the summer didn't put anything out and I decided I will put something out every two weeks we meet every two weeks it motivates me to have something written right. and cool. put up. so the one I put up today was uh, the no trespassing yeah. I saw that before I left home did yeah. you and yeah. uh, the responses have been wonderful like I had somebody write me a whole bloody wow. <laughs> two wow. paragraphs in response to it and the other mm-hmm. comments right on Facebook, people identify with that betrayal. Oh, yeah. A friend who has been a false friend. And mm-hmm. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I thought it was too personal. I wasn't going to publish it. And oh, no. and then it just seemed, I don't know, I just it chose resonated it. resonated with all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was really, um, yeah, it made me feel validated. Is that the right word? Yeah, mm-hmm. validating and not alone. Yeah. That's a big thing, I think. Most people just don't want to feel like they're alone. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm, that's really what counseling yep. is, so. is to yeah. realize I'm not really nuts. Everyone is nuts. <laughs> yep. It's just, Very you nice. know, at least I know I'm nuts. At least so, I hang around with know. similar nutty people. Because yeah. <laughs> if you don't know you're nuts, then yeah, you are nuts. Because you don't know <laughs> yeah. you're nuts. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think of MASH and the, the whole thing of the, you know, a Jeep is coming so everyone puts their foot out. And the person that moves their foot last isn't crazy. But everyone, because I guess you've become so oh, right. shy that you immediately move. Because they, they're playing with that in war, there's so much craziness going on. Right. So what's real, what's not real. Right. And people tend to lose it. Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. I just watched, you know P.D. James, the mm -hmm. mystery writer? Um, I've read some of her books, but and I really like Death Comes to Pemberley, which was the, you know, Pride and Prejudice mm -hmm. continuing on. But anyway, I watched... Um, cover her face. I bought a bunch of them made into movies, but it had to do with craziness, and now I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crazy too. <laughs> we are all anyway. nuts. Yeah, yeah. We're all nuts well, together. <laughs> just not, mm -hmm. just gone. Shoot. But it is nice, though. We do know that other people are. Yeah, like I, 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 and it happens more and more. Oh, it's really crazy. Yeah. So me, I, I already 